This programme was first broadcast on Canterbury's community access radio station Plains FM 96.9 and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Alcoholics Anonymous radio show here on Plains 96.9. My name is Pete and I'm an alcoholic. The purpose of this show is to increase public awareness of Alcoholics Anonymous as an effective means of recovery from the disease of alcoholism. Our show has two parts. First, we'll talk a bit about alcoholism, what it is and what AA can do to help. Then we'll interview a recovering alcoholic who is active in the membership of AA. I'm now going to ask our guest to read the AA preamble, which is read at the start of every AA meeting. Uh, the AA preamble. Alcoholics Anonymous is a fellowship of men and women who share their experience, strength and hope with each other that they may solve their common problem and help others to recover from alcoholism. The only requirement for membership is a desire to stop drinking. There are no dues or fees for AA membership. We are self-supporting through our own contributions. AA is not allied with any sect, denomination, politics, organisation or institution. Does not wish to engage in any controversy, neither endorses nor opposes any causes. Our primary purpose is to stay sober and to help other alcoholics to achieve sobriety. So, what is alcoholism? Alcoholism is a disease, not a disgrace. There's no shame in having an illness or a disease. An unusual feature of this disease, though, is it will tell you whatever it can to convince you that you do not have it. However, once it has a hold on you, the progression of symptoms is like the classic disease model, and the victim is as helpless as a sufferer of cancer. If you are an alcoholic, you are at the beginning of a long road, that usually ends in one of three places, prisons, institutions, or death. If you think this sounds dramatic, we can assure you that our collective experience has shown this is to be true. The challenge is to convince the alcoholic to admit that they need help 
and become willing to seek it. Denial is a major symptom of alcoholism. The alcoholic is often the last one to recognize it and admit that they really have it. Our definition of alcoholism is that it is an allergy of the body coupled with an obsession of the mind. The allergy is the physical aspect of the disease. After having the first drink, the phenomenon of craving develops and we lose control over when we can stop drinking. The old saying is, one is too many and a thousand is never enough. And yet, because of the obsession of the mind, the mental aspect of the disease, the alcoholic is compelled to keep picking up the first drink. This makes us powerless. We often hear from sober alcoholics that many doubted whether life could be as fun without alcohol. Fortunately, these people report that their lives have improved dramatically since they became sober. The 12-step program of recovery, which is discussed at meetings and which is outlined in the Alcoholics Anonymous Big Book, is how we get sober and maintain our sobriety, just one day at a time. This program has a proven track record of helping otherwise hopeless alcoholics to achieve long-term sobriety and recovery. It has taught us how to enjoy life sober. Okay, so for anyone who has just joined us, you are listening to the Alcoholics Anonymous radio show here on Plains 96.9 FM. We're just about to interview an AA member who is going to share their experience with alcoholism. So, let's meet our guest this evening. Would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, uh, my name is Woody and uh, I'm an alcoholic. Welcome, Woody. So how long have you been sober? Uh, coming up to three years. Good on you, excellent. And do you mind me asking your age? No, not at all. 69. 69? And three years sober coming up? Correct. Good on you. So what's your occupation, Woody? Uh, well, I was a, a agricultural scientist. I uh, was working in ag- agricultural science. But I started off uh, as a stock and station agent, actually, you know, back in the day. But that was many years ago now. Um, and I'm retired at the moment. Excellent. And tell me, are you married with family? I've been married, and uh, I do have family, um, but I'm not married now. Right. So where where are you from originally? Are you from Christchurch? I was born in Nelson, um, and my early childhood was in Nelson, and then my, I moved to Christchurch with my uh, family when my father, who was a meteorologist, um, transferred to uh, Christchurch from Nelson. Okay. And tell me, how was your childhood? Yeah, it was pretty good. My my mother was a very devout Christian, and um, my father less so. And my my family was my my childhood was pretty normal. I think um, I didn't get on very well with my mother in later years. Um, we we uh, clashed around religion and stuff like that. Right. But, you know, generally speaking, I'd have to say that my my childhood wasn't a bad one. It wasn't great, but it wasn't a bad one. Okay. So let's talk about how you started drinking. Um, Yeah, well, I started drinking pretty much as soon as I left school because um, I left school and I I trained as a uh, a stock and station agent with the old farmer's co-op. And um, I learned to drink pretty early on there and... um, you know, coming from coming from a, the family that I came from, and and coming into uh, to a working environment, I I I didn't get on very well at school. You know, with um, 
with other uh, classmates for some reason. Uh, but when I got into work, um, I got a lot of friends. A lot of friends, you know, everything changed. I was out of school mm. and, and my, you know, my life sort of changed a, a whole lot and became a lot more exciting and, and uh, yeah, it was, it was very good. So what, what made you start drinking? It just seemed to be the thing to do, I suppose. I, when I first started drinking, when I first started, basically when I first started work, we used to go over to the old Occident, Occidental Hotel. I wasn't even 18 at, the, at that time. Um, and um, uh, quite a few of us young people would go over there and there were older people there that would buy drinks for us and stuff like that. Yep. So I started drinking beer there. Right. And so you started on the beer? Yes, I just started on beer. Yep. And how did alcohol work for you? What did it do? Oh, it was great. It was great? It was fantastic. Yeah, I absolutely loved it. We all say that, don't we? <laughs> oh, I did. Yeah, I mean, it introduced me to women and all sorts of things. It was great. Yep. I so you're, so you're drinking? I thought, I thought I'd found <laughs> it. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yep. So your drinking obviously started socially yep. uh, at, the, at the Occidental. Yep. Um, binge drinking, or did you become an all-day drinker? Or? Uh, I, I ended up as an all-day drinker, Yeah. Um, yep. but that was many years, many years later. Did you, you, did you enjoy the, the drinking alone, or did you enjoy the social side of no, it? No, I enjoyed the social side of drinking originally, and um, I got married, uh, and, I, and um, I've had three marriages, to be honest. My first marriage broke up, not because of alcohol, but because uh, uh, my wife fell in love with somebody else who was a, f- a very good friend of mine who played squash with me. And that was one of the first sort of major rejections in life that I had that, that really sort of disturbed me quite badly. My drinking sort of took off a bit then. Mm. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, sort of, sort of went to another level, if you like. Yeah. So. When did it really come to you that you felt that you had a problem with alcohol? It took a long time for me to admit to myself that there was a problem. Uh, yeah, some years later, after my first marriage, I started drinking quite pretty heavily then. And then uh, my first wife and I went on a... We'd planned this tour around the world, and we went. And at this stage, she had... Um, picked up with the other guy and I found that out and uh, that she was leaving me and we went on a trip around the world and uh, it was a good trip but it was spoiled by the fact that for me anyway by the fact that you know I was no longer with my girlfriend or wife in actual fact and and um, yeah so that was a, that was a, that was all a, a bit of a mess to be honest in my life mm. after that um, on the rebound of that marriage, I uh, went into a, a cycle of various relationships and stuff, all of which involved drinking. And at none of the, that at that point did I consider that my drinking was in any way uh, dangerous or uh, excessive. Did you? But I was drinking, if not every day, pretty near. Yep. But I would look at other people if I was out. Socially, and I say, oh, I'm not as bad as that person. <laughs> you know, oh no, I'm okay. <laughs> yep. That did you, did you ever try to stop at any time in your drinking career? I, there were a couple of occasions, a few occasions, when people said to me that they thought that I should stop, but I didn't take any notice of that. 
I, as far as I was concerned, I knew best for me, and and you know I was happy to continue the way that I was. I actually, to be perfectly honest, I drank heavily for forty years before I really decided that I was alcoholic and needed to do something about it. It took that long for me to to really come to terms with the fact that I had a problem. Right. Yep. And yep. that's why I didn't come into AA until I was in my sixties. And what? gave you that realisation that you had a problem? Did you hit a rock bottom? Or? Yeah, I, I, did a, I had a significant rock bottoms, really. I got a DIC, the only one that I've ever had, yep. and that, that shook me up. And, and um, my then wife had decided to leave me, and, and uh, so that was my sort of second marriage that went down the drain. And that just pushed me further into drinking and um, it got so bad that I went to the Christchurch um, alcohol and drug people and they decided that I should be, that I needed detoxing so uh, I was, ended up in Kennedy, the Milton Hospital, the detox there at that stage, I was then working for uh, the Fulby Park Trotting Club. I was the manager of the Fulby Park Trotting Club in Dunedin, and that's another occupation where a lot of drinking is. Yeah. <laughs> I could understand that. Is yes. happening, you know, and uh, so that suited me down to the ground. Um, that's when I sort of realised that that uh, there was something was going to have to be done about this problem, and. Um, after the detox at Kennedy, and then I kept on drinking, and then I got really sick, and, and um, so I got in touch with the um, home detox people in Dunedin, and uh, they took me into the addiction branch of, of uh, Dunedin Hospital. And uh, I was there for a week or so, drying out and, and so on. And um, they said that they would try and get me into the Salvation Army Bridge program. Right, yep. And uh, eventually that happened. That didn't happen straight away, but they kept me in a respite bed at uh, Ashburn Hall. And uh, when a, a, a vacancy came up, I went into the bridge program. Right. Yeah. So tell me, how did you find your way to your first AA meeting? Um... I'm not sure that I can remember rightly. My first AA meeting was in Dunedin. After going into uh, the the bridge program, um, when I came out of there, of course, there was we went to um, AA meetings as part of the program. Right. So yes. that was my first experience with AA meetings. So that's yeah. how you you got yeah, to know AA, AA was got, was there, etc. Right. Yeah. So what, can you remember your first meeting? What it was like? Uh, yeah, I, the only thing I really remember about it was was a daytime meeting, and it was a joint um, AA and NA meeting. Okay. Uh, at the, um, the the Presbyterian Church there in Knox Church in yep. um, Dunedin. Yeah. And and how did you feel in that meeting? Could you did you find oh, that you it. could you hated it? Yeah. <laughs> yep. I thought it was terrible. And I thought that I'm not, I'm not like these people at all, you know. And uh, yeah, no, I, I, I shucked it off immediately. And and I didn't, I hadn't seen the steps, I, you know. I hadn't really looked at them. And um, 
it wasn't until later and I I caught up with step one and two and 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 realised that that it had something to say to me that was that made some sense. Right. But it took it took that, that sort of second or third uh, meeting before that happened. Yep. And so, so I went and sorry. You just kept coming back. Not from there. Right. That took me a, a long time. After that, I I uh, went through the bridge program and uh, did the twelve week residential course there, and I came out of that and immediately went back on the booze, and I had a terrible, and this was the first real rock bottom I had. I had a terrible binge. It cost me fifteen hundred dollars in three days. Right. Just on booze. Um, and friends and people that I'd met in, on the on the bridge program, who came into my flat and over a period of three weeks, three days, I threw my my FPOS card into the ring and said, "Yeah, go for your lives." Cost me fifteen hundred bucks. <laughs> Expensive. Uh, yeah, pretty stupid experience. <laughs> we talk about insanity. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yes. So that got you back back into the meetings. That, that. Got, that well, once that had happened, I realised that I had I really felt that I had to get out of Dunedin. So I moved to Christchurch, back to Christchurch, where I was brought up, and went to live with my brother in a flat in Rangiora, and that's where I live today. Right. Yep. Yeah, and it was at Rangiora that I got into AA properly. Great. Yep. So you're connected there, which is which is wonderful. Yep. So tell me, you've you've been through the AA program. You're three, nearly three years sober. Yep. So how do you manage to so- stay sober? Oh, the meetings. Yep. Meetings to me are just a godsend. They're tremendous. I really, really, really like them, and I absolutely hated them when I first um, went in. And uh, I met the people at the Rangiora meetings, and. Um, once I got to know people and, and I started coming to the, I, initially I went to meetings and um, I'd disappear for a couple of weeks or three or four weeks and then I'd come back and think, oh my God, I'd better go to an AA meeting. I sort of felt guilty about not going to AA meetings. Yes. You yep. know, and I didn't like sharing. I hated the bloody sharing, but I thought it was all a bit of nonsense and I, I thought was just trying to make things up to make it sound good, you know. But I don't think I was being very honest about it. Mm. So, and I was one of those bloody people who was going to uh, make out as though I was doing okay when I really wasn't doing okay, wasn't doing anything at all. Yeah. So that's how that's how that went for quite a while, and then I got into a pattern of of re- relapsing, and uh, I got a doctor that would give me Valium, and uh, was able to get the keep my the shakes and things under control with, with that and then go on to ant abuse and take the ant abuse and then yeah. and then I'd, I'd obviously I didn't realise I was planning it but I'd be planning and my next bloody booze uh, you know binge and uh, and that's how it went it mm. went like that for quite a long time so you've certainly had a journey haven't you yeah. to sobriety yeah so what about today Woody, what's it like for you today? How can you describe your life being sober? My life today is just something that's just... I, I never believed that I could have a life like the life I've got today. 
I'm very, very, very grateful to AA. AA has been tremendous for me. Um, it's changed my life completely. I don't. I am. I have a completely different life today than the one that I had when I was uh, an uh, active alcoholic. It's just been. I, I just can't explain it. I just can't explain to you just how deeply it's uh, affected me. I, it, it is the most important part of my day. I, I, there's, there's four meetings in Rangiora. I do service at all of those meetings of one sort or another. I, I chair meetings, I um, open meetings up, and I go to all the... Uh, there's four, four meetings a week in Rangiora. If I was allowed to drive, and I don't, I can't drive anymore because of um, Alzheimer's, but yep. um, um, uh, uh, I, I just walk to all the meetings. Yep, yep. Dedication, and you and know that it's, it's what you need. Well, the, the thing is, of course, doing all the walking has helped me a hell of a lot too, because I'm, yes. I'm fitter yeah. than I was, and I'm not drinking, and I'm not drunk, and I'm not. Exactly. There's, there's just so many good things about my life now. It's it's, and it's like I really feel like I've had a, it's like a second life, from the one that I had before. It's a completely new, new life. Yeah. So yeah. I feel younger, <laughs> because I don't feel like a, a an old man anymore. You know. Good on you. That's so, that's amazing. So it has been a, a tremendous gift to me to be an AA. It's fantastic. That is fantastic. Woody, look, I thank you so much for uh, coming on the show and sharing your story. It's, uh, it's certainly one of, of, of a long, long <laughs> journey and destination. So yeah. thank you very much for, for being with us. Oh, it's, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for the opportunity. Thank you. I hope it does best good for, for somebody who might be listening. That That's would be great. A, that would be a, a good thing. Thank you, Woody. So there we are. For our listeners... If you've related to anything that you've heard or would like to have some more information about Alcoholics Anonymous, you can look us up on the website of www.aa.org.nz or call us on 0800 AA Works. There are 66 meetings a week in the Canterbury area, so it is likely there is one near you. Join us next week to hear from more AA members sharing their experience. Our show airs every Monday at 5.30pm on Plains FM and repeats on Wednesday at 12.30pm. You can find podcasts of all the past shows and the Plains FM website at plainsfm.org.nz. If you would like to download and subscribe to those podcasts, by all means do so. That brings us to the end of the show. So thank you for listening and remember, if you want to drink, that's your business. But if you want to stop we can help. You don't have to do this alone. We will now close the show with a serenity prayer as we do in every meeting. God, God, grant grant me the serenity serenity to accept accept the things things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the the wisdom to know the difference. You've been listening to the Alcoholics Anonymous radio show on Plains FM 96.9. Desperado, why don't you come to your senses? 
You've been out riding fences for so long now. Oh, you're a hard one, but I know that you got your reasons. These things that are pleasing you can hurt you somehow. Don't you draw the queen of diamonds, boy? She'll beat you if she's able. You know the queen of hearts is always your best bet. Now it seems to me some fine things have been laid upon your table, but you only want the ones that you can't get. Desperado, oh you ain't getting no young. Your pain and your hunger, they're driving you home. And freedom, oh freedom, well that's just some people talking. Your prison is what. World all alone. Don't your feet get cold in the wintertime? The sky won't snow and the sun won't shine. It's hard to tell the nighttime from the day. Why don't you come to your senses? 